there is the possibility that you'll be on Dancing with the Stars next season. Ooh. <laughs> they don't want their ratings to go down. <laughs> they so. don't want it to go down. Well, I don't know. Well, anyway, it's such a thrill. i got to tell you, welcome, Coach, for being here with us. And what an honor for us to have you share what God's done in your life. And I'm really doubly blessed because my father is here on Father's Day. And uh, Dad, it is so great to have you here. Thanks. I, I have had people ask me, what's the connection? Why is Coach Frazier here? And you need to know there is a connection with my father and the coach. And a lot of it, you may not even realize, our Evangelical Free Church, it's denominational school, Trinity International University down in Deerfield, just north suburbs of Chicago, is um, where I served in that, for that school about four and a half years before I came here. My father served for 21 years there as the president and then as chancellor for a number of years. And it was your first coaching um, experience and job at Trinity. And um, there is a booth out and back. I should let you know for Trinity, if you would like to know more about the school and the programs, we have some people who would love to share with you more about that. But that's kind of how the connection is here in in why we have Coach Frazier, in a sense, with us on Father's Day, because it's it's a big deal for you to get some time and to be with your own kids. But to do this, we're just so grateful. I want to just to begin to give a little of a backstory of how you guys kind of got together. I know it's kind of an interesting story because it was that last Super Bowl game and it was kind of at a time already by halftime. The game had been decided, if you can say that. Sometimes they swing, but it had been somewhat decided and you injured your knee, blew it out and they beat the New England Patriots. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can never tell if my dad's a Bear or Viking fan, to be honest with you. If I'm going for the Viking, he goes to the Bears. He just likes to rib me. But anyway, so if you're a Patriot fan, you, anyway. So the, the thing that was kind of interesting about that is um, you blew out your knee. You were beginning to think about your career and what you should be doing. And it was at that same time that my father, as he's president of the school, had a sports banquet. He had gotten to know Coach Mike Dicka, the Bear coach at the time, because he lived close to school. And he was signing autographs at a sports banquet in my Father was considering starting a football program, and so you, from my understanding, asked Coach Ditka, have any recommendations for a head coach? And what was that conversation a little bit like? Well, you... I, didn't ask, I didn't ask Mike Ditka how many DUIs he had, <laughs> had over the years, but, uh, but he suggested to me the name of Les Fraser. And uh, his wife was with us in the first service, and... Uh, I think she had uh, really put the uh, hand to him to get him to, to do so, because I think he was planning on selling insurance or something. Well, it's interesting, Dad, because when you, you had shared that with me, one of the things that Coach Ditka said to you was, you should check into Les Frazier. Right. He and Singletary are real Christians right. like the school or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and right. And yeah. I thought that was interesting because... He knew right away about Christ and the character and the things that, right. that came. And so he pointed you right to, to Les. Now, it, you were really persistent and you stayed on Coach Frazier. What was the holdup for you? Well, at the time, you have to realize that, you know, I was 27 years of age and I still wanted to play. You know, I wasn't quite ready to begin to think about life after football. And that's where my heart was. I wanted to get back on the field and play. Yeah. Well, you know, we're really glad that you took that school and, and went that direction. And it's Father's Day. And one of the things dads do is you you are a role model to your kids. And we all have role models in life. My father 
taught me so much about leadership and about faith. And then you also had the experience. You had some connection with my dad. What what was some of his influence on your life? And with, with Dr. Meyer and, and Carol as well, uh, their influence on my life goes beyond what we did at Trinity from a win-loss standpoint. We had a, a lot of good times there, but uh, his obedience and his faithfulness throughout my time there and even leading up to making that decision to bring me on as the head coach at Trinity, just a tremendous example in a lot of ways more than just my boss, you know, yeah. being the president of the school, but a father figure and a mentor and uh, forever grateful for that relationship that was uh, began back in 1988. Well, we just wanted to give you a backstory. I've had so many people ask, well, what's the connection? That's kind of the connection that's behind there. And in a few moments, uh, Coach Frazier is going to share some more. What I think is really interesting is the influence you can have on someone else's life, not even really fully being aware of it. And I think, Dad, when you think back and you were making those phone, sent letters, made phone calls and, and, and were kind of saying, Coach, I think you're the guy. You had no idea that this coach of Trinity would become the head coach of the Vikings, did no, you? No, no. But I'll tell you, he had so much potential, and uh, I was just so privileged to be able to get him started in coaching. Yeah. And uh, we've been like uh, father and son ever since. Yeah. So we just are grateful for your being here, and in a few moments we'll hear more. And uh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that song, when, when Kevin had uh, sent over a note just asking me, uh, give us a song that really kind of speaks to you. And that was one of the songs that, uh, that I'll listen to at times, and, and it really gets me emotional because in my life, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's my prayer that uh, before we leave here today that, uh, that we could all say that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, so very grateful for what God has done in my life, thankful for uh, having a grandmother who uh, really understood the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and led me in that direction. Thankful for a praying wife who encourages me uh, on this Father's Day and every day, loves me unconditionally, uh, makes a, a tremendous difference in this life that, that we live and that I live. And very, very thankful for God bringing her into my life. So thankful for Dr. Meyer has had a tremendous impact uh, on my life way beyond our time at Trinity. Uh, just uh, has, in more ways than one, more than just uh, a mentor, in a lot of ways, a father figure, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Kevin was talking to us a little bit about, you know, how I got to Trinity, and there's a little backstory to that. You know, after that Super Bowl, after that injury, I mean, that was tough. Uh, you know, you, here you are at 26 years of age when the injury occurred, and had just led the team in interceptions for the third consecutive season, was really looking forward to a lot of good years ahead, uh, thinking that we were going to win multiple Super Bowls and just moving on. And like that, and Lincoln and I, you know, suffer a career in a knee injury, and, uh, but at the time, you don't think that I'll go through rehab and get back and, and play again. And I remember being in training camp up in Plattsville, Wisconsin, where we had our training camp, and our trainer asked me to stop by Coach Dicka's office, our head coach, and when I came into the into his uh, dormitory room, actually, uh, on the campus, I, I, I was thinking they're going to just welcome me back to the team and, you know, we'll talk about what needs to happen for that season. And when I came into his room, I saw our owner at the time was Mike McCaskey. Our general manager was there, uh, the head of our scouting department, our trainer, our team doctor. 
I go, man, this is pretty cool. You know, all these guys are here to, to welcome me back. I mean, this is, makes me feel pretty special. And, um, and then they told me that I wasn't going to pass the team physical, that I hadn't passed the physical. And I had taken physicals, you know, all through football from the seventh grade on. And here I was being told I wasn't going to pass the physical, which meant I wouldn't be on the team. Uh, you have to pass the physical to be able to play. And I was in disbelief. I'm going, you know, there has to be a way for me to get back on the field. Uh, just give me a little time. I'll work on my knee. And they just, they just thought it was too risky. I remember driving home from Platteville, driving from, from Platteville back to home, and just looking at a scripture verse uh, and thinking about the same verse that when I was in the hospital, uh, when the doctors had told me that after the surgery, there was a chance I might be able to play again, but there was a chance I might not be able to play again. And that verse was Romans 8:28, that all things work together for the good of those who, are, who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And just began to stand on that scripture verse, even as I was driving home, just you know, not sure where God was taking me, not sure what the future would hold, but just trusting that, that God was in control in this situation. But I, you know, I wanted to get back on that field again and, and bring glory to, to, to the Lord's name through my play. When I got home, uh, my wife told me that there was a letter there, just like Kevin had said a moment ago, uh, from Dr. Meyer about, you know, they're starting a football program at Trinity. He wanted to talk to me about it. But there was reluctance on my part. You know, I wanted to get back on that field. And so I kind of looked at the letter, threw it away, put it in a trash can, you know, not ready to coach. Plus, I look at our head coach, Mike Dick, on the sideline, screaming and random raving. I'm going, nah, I don't No, that's, that's not for me, you know. Uh, but, you know, a little time went on and one of their board members uh, contacted me and, and asked me, you know, wouldn't you, mind, wouldn't you at least just, just talk with him? And I was, you know, still reluctant after two or three months. And, and my wife said one day, she said, what would it hurt just to sit down and talk with him? Just, just listen to what he has to say. I said, well, maybe it wouldn't hurt just to sit down and, and, and listen. And when you get to know Dr. Meyer, uh, you can, you, you'll learn that he can be very persuasive, but, yeah, but he is ordained in the ability to communicate. And as he shared with me what his goals were for the program, where he thought the program could go, and how important it was that he got the right person in that role uh, as the first head coach of football at Trinity College. And I listened to him and I said, man, you know, if I was going to coach football, this is kind of the environment I want to be in. And it's a four-year Christian college, uh, an opportunity to really, you know, do some things and shape the, the program the way you want to shape it. But I still, I, I still had that desire to play. And I just, so I left that meeting. And, I, and one of the reasons I went to that meeting, I had wanted to recommend someone to Dr. Meyer who I thought would be perfect for the job. <laughs> and when I recommended the guy, he said, no, 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 you're the guy. You're the guy for the job. And it still took me another couple of months before we had another conversation. I just, and I got a call from the Seattle Seahawks who had invited me out to come and take a physical with their team. And when I got there, I, I passed the medical physical. This is in the month of, of January. You got to remember that Dr. Meyer and I had had our first conversation, uh, communication in the month of September the previous year. So here we are in January. I fly out to Seattle. I sit down with their management, their doctors, I passed the medical part of the physical. On the flight back, I'm thinking about the next step. And the next step for me would have been to come back and do the running part of the physical, some drills and some of the things I need to see you do as a defensive back. And on that flight, 
and I had been thinking about it for a while, that situation at Trinity was so unique. And some of the things that Dr. Meyer has shared with me about that program and how he envisioned it being, I said to myself, man, if I say no to this, I'm really saying no to the Lord. I'm not saying no to Dr. Meyer, no to Trinity. And my wife was very supportive. She kind of knew what direction I should be going, but I had to come to that conclusion. Um, so when the plane landed, I, I called her and I told her, I think I'm going I'm to take that, that, that job at Trinity. I think I'm going to give Dr. Meyer a call. And I called my agent to tell him about it. Not a very good response. Uh, you know, he, he just couldn't believe it. You know, uh, what is Trinity? Why Trinity? You got a chance to continue your career and so on and so forth. He, you know, he just didn't understand it. I kind of knew that he wouldn't. But it was without question that the, the, the best decision I ever made in my life. And I'll and I always be thankful for Dr. Meyer being faithful and persistent to what God had put on his heart. And there's a, there's a, a, a chapter in the, in the book of Daniel that kind of reminds me of what faith is and why faith is so important. You know, just being able to believe when you can't see what the future holds. And in the book of Daniel, the third chapter, many of you have read the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a, it's a story that really ministered to me even to this day. And it, it is an example of Dr. Meyer being faithful in that situation when there were things that might say something different. You know, you're talking about a 28-year-old guy at that time who had never coached African-American in an environment that, you know, not going to see a, a lot of people that, that look like me. But he, but he trusted that this was the right person for this job at this time. And in that situation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found, found themselves in, here they are where King Nebuchadnezzar builds this, this, this tower, this statue, and he's saying that everyone has to bow to this golden image. If you don't, you're going to be killed. You're going to be killed in a fire of furnace. You're going you're to be burned to death. They had... The faith to not bow down. They refused to bow down. They refused to give in to Nebuchadnezzar's wishes. But it takes great faith and great belief in order to do that. They went on to tell Nebuchadnezzar that our God can deliver us through this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we'll never bow down to that 90-foot statue. We'll never bow down to that, that, that golden image. It'll never happen. Of course, he gets furious. He's in he's in he, he forces them, tell the guards to put them in the furnace. And he wants to make an example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you remember that as they are in the furnace and he's expecting them to be burning, that he sees the three of them. And not only does he see the three of them, but he also sees a fourth image and they're dancing and, you know, moving around, maybe high-fiving and, 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 and chest bumping, you know. Uh, and he, he, he can't believe what he's seeing. So he orders them out of the furnace. And when they come out of the furnace, it says that not a hair on their head is sensed. There's no, no, no damage to their clothes. There isn't even the smell of smoke on, 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 their, on their body. King Nebuchadnezzar is a believer. He ends up convinced that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the God that we should be serving. That's the same type of faith that those three Hebrew boys ex- displayed that we have to have in the midst of adverse moments. And we're all going to face adversity of some sort at some point. 
But in order to do that, in order to be able to, to handle it in a proper way with a right attitude, I don't think that's possible if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. I mean, it's, it, this is, a, a, without question, a tough world that we live in, and it's changing all the time. But you want to get to the point where you understand who's in control. And in my life, the one thing that helped me to get through that transition, going from professional football player to the, to the next step in life, Without that foundation, without knowing what my rights were in Christ, it would have been very, very difficult to move on and get on with my life. We're seeing it today. Look at the headlines. I mean, in in our league, the problems that so many players in our league are having with the transition. Some of you read just a few weeks ago about what happened with Junior Seau. Great player for a long, long time in our league. Going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Tremendous player. Ends up taking his life as he's making that transition from professional football. And you say, you know, how does that happen? Dave Durson, former teammate of mine on that Super Bowl team. Great player. Good person. Guy I have a lot of respect for. We had a ton of conversations. I get a phone call about a year ago in February from some of my teammates saying, did you hear the news? I said, what's the news? About Dave. And I'm thinking, knowing Dave, you know, he's probably going to be running for office somewhere or, you know, doing something uh, you know, that, that's going to make a difference uh, for the world. That's the kind of guy Dave was. And my teammate said he took his life. And I knew he had been struggling with some things, and, and, and he and I had actually prayed a few years back about some of the things he was struggling with. Another friend of mine who played with the Eagles, Andre Waters, great player, name that's not as, as big as Dave's or, or Junior's, but same deal, takes his life as he's making that transition. And part of it is... When the circumstances of life come, when the storms of life come, being able to understand I mean, what's important, what do I stand on, what's my foundation built on? As a father, I'm often asked, you know, about our three kids and, and what my role is in that relationship and why it's important. And on this Father's Day, I'm so thankful that I had a model in my grandmother who stressed to me the importance of a relationship with Christ. That it was important to go to church on Sundays. That it was important to read my Bible on a daily basis. And my wife and I have tried to impart that with our kids. As a father, I understand that my role is to be the head of that household and to lead in a godly way. Sometimes the words that I say may not mean a whole lot, but my example matters. They need to know what I stand for, and it may not be the most popular thing. But that's part of my role as a father. Had a neighbor of ours a few years ago. We were out in the yard, and we were just talking. And this is a guy who owned his own company. He's doing very, very well from a material standpoint. And as we were talking about some different things, he begins to break down and started crying. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, what triggered this? You know, we're just having a normal conversation. And I asked him, his name was Norm. I said, Norm, what, what, what's wrong? And he said, um, we just admitted my son to the hospital for a drug overdose. And I knew his son, and he had a daughter as well. And, and he said, my wife is asking me for a divorce. And, you know, you can see the tears flowing and, and the voices trembling. And, and I didn't see this coming because they seemed like such a great couple and everything seemed fine at home. 
And he said one of the reasons she wants a divorce is because she says that our family is not important to me. That my job is the most important thing. And he said, Leslie, everything I've done, every deal I've made was for one reason, to provide for my family, to make our life better as a family. That's why I drove as hard as I did. And now everything I worked so hard to build is being taken away. He said, my family is so important to me. But his wife and kids didn't see it that way. They didn't want to be second to his career. He and I had a chance to go visit his son in the hospital. We prayed with his son and and we talked about, about Christ and the importance of making Christ the top priority in his life. And things turned around. The dad ended up getting saved and being able to model Christ. Just like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, when he says, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. I mean, that's the example that we have to provide as fathers. We have to model what we say we believe. And in order for us to get to that point, as I mentioned earlier, the only way you do that is if you understand that there's a spiritual battle going on, that this is warfare. You know, in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to be going over to Afghanistan on, on a USO tour to talk with our troops on behalf of the National Football League. It's a different type of battle. You kind of have an idea where the enemy is uh, in, in, in that kind of a battle. But in the spiritual battle, in Ephesians it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness. I mean, it, you know, he's going to come in, in, in different ways. And it may not be necessarily trying to steal a career. Because that was what, exactly the way Satan attacked me at, at that early stage in my life, trying to steal a career. But what he couldn't take away was the joy that I have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Could not take that away. But understanding that I have to be able to put on my full armor that's talked about in Ephesians 6, chapter 10 through 16. You know, I have to you know, put that helmet of salvation on. I have to have my sword with me to fight the fiery darts of Satan. To be able to deal with the ups and downs of being a head football coach in the National Football League. I mean, that's a, that's a part of it. But to get to that point where we can, as fathers, as mothers, as sons and daughters, being able to adorn the gospel, where when others take a look at our lives, they can see the Christ that is in us. That, that's where we want to get to as believers, so that we will be able to say, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. No matter the circumstances of life. No matter the, the storms that may come. Because my faith is built on not the type of car I have. Not the type of home that I have. Not how much money I have in the bank. That's not my foundation. Those things may be taken away in the blink of an eye. Careers change. But there's a constant in life and I have to know who's in control. And God is in control. John 10, chapter 10, verse reminds us that the thief, Satan, comes to steal and destroy. And that's what he is, a thief. He would love nothing better on this Father's Day than to see families separated. He would love nothing better than to see my wife and I go through divorce court. I mean, that, I mean he, he would love to destroy a family. 
He would love to destroy a testimony because he is the author of fear. But until we come to the realization that we're in a spiritual battle and I have to be in the word, I've got to be a part of a church home. I need to be in a situation where I can be held accountable to what I say I believe in. If I stand on that, if I try to stand on that island alone, I mean, it's going to be tough now. That's exactly what Satan would want me to do. To believe that I have the wherewithal to get it done on my own. But I know I don't. I want to be totally reliant on the Holy Spirit guiding me and guiding my every step. You know, as we are building our team for this 2012 season, I was at a, Kevin asked me about this uh, earlier about uh, golf, and I was at a golf outing for, uh, for our Vikings Children Fund. We were raising funds for, uh, for, for kids. And this reporter asked me, he said, you guys have made a lot of changes this offseason. Uh, a lot of different things are going on, and you know, it's going to be a little different roster. He said, it's going to be tough for you, isn't it? It's going to really be tough in 2012 for, for your team. And he said, I'm concerned about what's going to happen with your future. And, you know, obviously, he doesn't understand who's in control of my future. Because, uh, you know, I, I have no fear regarding the future. Dr. Meyer and I both have seen this story before where, yes, there may be some difficult times along the way. But when you know who you are in Christ, you never have to doubt whether or not God wants to see you succeed. We, we touched on Jeremiah 29, 11 a moment ago. I mean, God wants us to prosper. He doesn't want to harm us. He wants to provide a future of hope for every one of us. But if I don't know that, the moment the winds of change come, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react in a fleshly way. I'm going to do things that are not Christ-like. And so it does me no good to stand here this morning and talk about my faith, and then when I go to the office, I'm just the opposite of what I say. My secretary, uh, my, my coaches, they see a totally different person. My, my, my players, they see a totally different person. The only way that we can get to the point as believers where we are what God has called us to be is if if we're in the word on a daily basis and doing what God has called us to do. But I have to, I have to get to the point where that peace that's talked about in Philippians 4, 7, that surpasses all understanding, to be able to get to that point where I can have peace about life and who I am, it only happens if there's a personal relationship with Christ. I want to be able to exemplify the characteristics of a spirit-led believer that's talked about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Others have to be able to see the love of Christ in me. They have to be able to see the goodness, the faith, the mercy, the meekness, the temperance, that had the patience, that has to be a part of my character. Doesn't happen overnight. Does not. But that's a part of our being able to adorn the gospel. So when others see us, even in in, in the good times and also in the bad times, they see the consistency in our walk in Christ. Had a teammate once who sat down beside me. And this guy used to always give me a hard time about my faith. Give me a hard time. We were at a shopping center once. We're signing autographs and I'm signing my autograph and I would or nearly sign a scripture verse. 
So I'm signing this scripture verse. He tells me, hey, Les, can you just sign your name and stop signing that other stuff? And so one day we're in the locker room. We're just sitting down and we're talking. He says, um, hey, what does the Bible say about marriage and divorce? And I'm, look, I'm thinking, yeah, this guy always is giving me a hard time about my faith. But we looked at some scripture and we talked about, you know, why divorce wasn't an option for me. And then he explained to me what was going on in his, his relationship with his wife and the, and the trouble they were having. And then I asked him at the end, I said, why did you ask me about the Bible? I mean, you always give me a hard time about my faith. And he said, I want you to know you're not the first person to invite me to a Bible study. Not the first person to talk to me about Christ. But a lot of people that have talked to me about the Bible, when I took a look at uh, their life, I mean, a lot of the language they use wasn't a whole lot different than mine. I'd see them at some of the same parties that I would go to. I saw how they dealt with some things uh, that weren't a whole lot different than the way I would have dealt with it. But he said, I, I saw something different when I watch you. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a guy who I never, ever thought was paying any attention to what I was doing or how I was doing it, but he was looking at my life. If I had given him a Bible to read, wasn't going to read the Bible, but he was paying attention to my life. It's the same thing for us as fathers with our sons and daughters. There may be times we go through rebellious moments. Uh, my daughter Chantel is here. She had her moments. Uh, my sons, they had their moments. But you know what? Fathers, the example that we set by the life that we live, that speaks volumes to what we say we believe in. Because that action is what's necessary. In order for us to be able to save our families, in order for us to be able to lead our families, it is so, so important I follow this script. And here's the script. This is how I know how to be a godly father. It wasn't like I, I grew up. Having a father to be an example didn't have that. Wasn't there. You know, my mother wasn't able to be there for uh, other reasons that she had. So for me, the guy became finding out what God would have me to do and then being spirit led, trusting the Holy Spirit to guide my every step. That's exactly where we have to get to as believers, to where I don't rely on my emotions. I don't rely on what someone else has to say about this is how you do it. That's how. No. Does it line up with the word of God? Show it to me in scripture. Does it line up with the word of God? That's what matters. And so then you can have conviction when you stand up in front of, say, in my case, like on Tuesday when we start our mandatory minicamp and I talk to our team about what our goals are for 2012 and what we expect to happen. You can have conviction about what you say, what you are, because that foundation is not a shaky foundation. It's a foundation that's built on the rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. And for that, you can be bold and you can be confident in what God has called you to do. When Dr. Meyer said, you're the guy for that job, I didn't understand it. I'm like, man, how can he be so certain? But when you understand faith, when you know what Hebrews 11 one says and what it means, there's a there's a confidence of expectancy. I mean, you're confident in knowing that this is what God has called and, and, and put on your heart to do. And then you don't have to second guess it. You don't have to wonder what's the next step, because, you know, in a matter of time, it'll come to fruition because it's not you making that decision. But it's, it's you being led by the spirit, by the spirit of God. And so for us. The challenge for us, just like in that song we heard this morning, 
If someone should ever write my life story, how would they describe each and every one of us? I mean, that should matter to us. What will they say in my life story? I hope and pray that God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words you want to hear. Some equate success to being a head coach of a National Football League team. Some equate success to material things. But true success is obedience and faithfulness to God, our Lord and Savior, to Jesus Christ. That's true success. So on this Father's Day, as we are about to move on with our life and prepare for the daily grind of a weekly schedule, whatever that may, may be and wherever God takes you, my prayer is that every one of us, when we leave this door, we walk out of this church, we'll be able to say, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. I know without question there's nothing more important in my life than my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, I can unconditionally love in the way that Christ would have me to love. And when those moments come where I don't act like a Christian, like I probably should, and the Holy Spirit convicts me, then I can repent. I, have a, I serve a forgiving God who loves me, who wants the best for me, I can trust him in those moments and not allow Satan, the thief, to lie to me and tell me, guess what? You're not the Christian that you thought you were. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus, send it right back to where it belongs, to the pit of hell. Because you are an heir to the throne. But you don't get to that point unless you're doing the things we talked about. I'm praying daily. I'm studying the scriptures. I'm a part of a church home where I can grow. I have someone in my life that can hold me accountable for what I say I believe in. Somebody that asks me those hard questions. Are you being faithful to your wife? Are you memorizing scripture? Do you tell your kids that you love them? Are you modeling Christ in your daily walk? Someone that asks me those hard questions. It's important. Satan would love nothing better than to see you on that island alone saying, I got it all figured out. I'm the, I'm the best Christian in the world. I got it all figured out. It's a setup for failure. I need to know that God is in control. And that's who I serve. And now, when the peer pressure comes and the, and the different situations that I'm put in occur, every decision I make is based on one thing. Is this what God would have me to do? Is this what the Lord would have me to do? When the decision was made to come to Trinity, it was based on one, 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 one conclusion. This is where God has guided me at this stage of my life. Now, I need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's urging on my heart. One of the best decisions ever made in my life was saying yes to that opportunity. Forever grateful to Dr. Meyer for the influence that he poured into my life and the influence that he had on our family. I pray that when we walk out of here today and he ask ourselves that question, when they write my life story, what will they say? What will they say about me? How will it be written? I pray that we'll be able to say with the title, for John, for Larry, for Paul, the best thing that ever happened to them was Jesus Christ. 
and they lived it. They were examples of it. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. And I pray that the rest of this day and the days to come, that God will continue to guide you every step. Thank you.